Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. We are back at the DLD AI Summit in Munich, in Germany. Uh, yesterday, DLD focused on the circular economy. Today, it's AI. Uh, and of course, all the buzz around the world is about how real this AI moment. The event today was kicked off with a particularly interesting presentation from my guest, Ludwig Enstaller. He is the general partner and founder of 468 Capital. He's based in Berlin. And what he did in his intro introductory remarks at DLD this morning is give a reality check on um, our generative AI economy, what some people think of as a generative AI moment. And I was impressed with his grasp of the material and his cautious, realistic optimism. Uh, Ludwig, is that fair? Are you cautiously optimistic about the reality of this moment? You noted that we're, it's not just another crypto scam. No, I think we're we're, uh, we're very optimistic uh, and, 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 and certain that this is not uh, a hype but a new platform um, and, and uh, uh, it's very real. <laughs> so I think that one year into generative AI, right, so we, we're meeting here basically exactly one year after uh, generative AI hit the, the end consumer um, and uh, I think one year in we're very, very certain in saying this will last and it's here to stay. Ludwig, when historians look back at this generative AI moment, who's going to get the credit? Is it the, the authors of that infamous now Google white paper talking about generative AI, which they didn't follow up on? Is it Sam Altman? Is it OpenAI? Is it Microsoft? Who gets the credit for all this? Yeah, Who should get the credit? Interesting question. I think many people, right? I, I, I think you can, across the entire stack that led to this, you can credit so many giants, you can credit uh, uh, the folks at NVIDIA and, 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 and some, some other hardware companies that uh, um, you know, make a big, big, big bet on, on, on GPUs, right? the, the hardware powering this. Um, I think all the, um, the godfathers of, uh, of modern AI, um, you know, Hinton, Schmidt, Huber and, 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 and the likes, uh, uh, all the folks leading up to the uh, uh, Transformer paper in 2017, uh, that you mentioned, um, or the uh, the stable diffusion work uh, that's now so important for image generation. So I think many many people in the research and applied research front, and yes, of course, right. It takes it takes someone like Sam Altman or uh, some of the others to to commercialize it to put it all together. So I think there'll be many people in this, right? Um, it's it's not just one Einstein. Yeah, it's 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 a true group effort. It's very iterative. Um, and You're not going to use the collaborative word, are you? It's not just collaboration it requires real genius and real commitment it requires real genius but I think it's many many geni at, at, uh, geniuses at, at work right and uh, and also I think what we're seeing as well is the beauty of competition driving this right I mean collaboration is is one big element of this yeah but it's also uh, extremely fierce competition um, uh, for, for for first to market right someone uh, uh, to take the courage to release a product that was definitely definitely only half-baked um, uh, uh, to the masses, and, 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 and you know, that's a big factor of this that we keep forgetting, right? It's um, financial competition, first and foremost. 
should Google be criticised for missing this opportunity? I'm curious, just thinking out loud, Jeffrey Hinton, of course, left Google um, after Generative AI came out suggesting that he was scared for the future of humanity. May there have been another agenda? Might he have been disappointed that Google didn't jump on it when they came up with the idea first? Probably. I mean, it's 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 impossible to judge to make that decision when you've got so much to lose, right? The textbook innovator's dilemma. Um, but I think we're in the early innings of this. Well, so, sorry to jump in, but what, what, why would that be an innovator's dilemma for Google? You're suggesting that they would cannibalize their search market with AI? They would cannibalize their search market and they would also potentially ruin their reputation um, uh, by, by releasing a product that does harmful things, right? So I think they have a big existing product to damage. Um, you know, one of the best runs in the history of business um, uh, of, you know, monopoly or close to, to monopoly economics of one of the most lucrative business models ever invented for more than a decade. So that's a lot to lose, right? Uh, so, of course, they're cautious and, and, and that caused this moment um, of, uh, of open AI. And, uh, but I think we're in the very early innings of this. Yeah, I think uh, we've got many, many generations of this. So let's see what they'll release uh, now on the, on the sort of companion side, right? There's a lot of excitement around that. And, um, uh, you know, some of the smartest people in the world working there, they have unlimited resources, they have the right mindset. So um, I'm not sure if they're, you know, not going to get back to the, the top of this game. Let's see. Super exciting to watch. Speaking of games and innings, uh, whenever you talk to an American investor, VC, they always talk about the early innings of baseball. Uh, British people think of cricket. I'm not sure what game you're thinking of when it comes to innings. But in baseball, if there are nine innings, has the first inning even begun in AI? Probably begun, yeah, but um, but 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 uh, uh, yeah, uh, we're, we're still in the first thing. The game has started, and, and in your presentation, I, I thought you did a great job simplifying it, but not simplifying it too much, to, to borrow some language from Einstein. You talked about three simultaneous developments that were required for this generative AI revolution. You already mentioned GPUs. Perhaps you might talk a little bit about that and the other two pieces of the puzzle that needed to come together. To make this a yeah. reality. Yeah, 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 100%. I think, um, look, to, 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 to get this Cambrian moment, to get this mass market product, um, that, that, you know, jaw-dropping moments that, that we all had when we first used it, I think three, three pillars had to come together. First of all, um, you know, we needed the computing hardware, the, the, the GPUs. Um, second, uh, of course, we need the, the actual thing, right, the, the models, the foundational models, the algorithms whatever you want to call it. Um, so, so your, your, your GPT-3, uh, now 4, or your, your, your Llama, or you know, whatever they're called. But you basically need these um, uh, large language models. And um, uh, of course, you need, to, you need to train them with something. Uh, and, and, and that's the data. So you need this um, availability of an abundance of data, right? The human knowledge available. Um, uh, uh, for, for these machines to, to, to store and be trained on. Uh, and that's the internet, right? The open and, and the deep web. So those three things um, uh, needed to come together and, and, and I guess that's what happened, yeah. You talk about the internet and data. There's a lot of concern, a great deal of controversy about where these these algorithms are learning our language. Uh, some publishers are suggesting that OpenAI, for example, shouldn't be able to have access to its newspaper or its publishing or its books. Do you think that the foundation of the data is social media? Do you think we could have got to this point without social media? Without having social media 
for these AIs to train on? Super interesting question. I, I, I don't know, but I, I, I certainly think it's fair to say that it makes it a lot easier, right? Social media uh, to have this training data because we know, you know, it's very close to how humans actually uh, speak to each other, interact in real life, which uh, at the end of the day, I guess, is what we're, what we're trying to mimic. So I think to have this this uh, data bucket was you know, one of the essential parts. Could have been possible without? I don't know, hard to say, um, uh, um, but it definitely has helped, yeah. In your presentation, you presented a number of verticals. You, you, you spoke of the medical vertical and the educational vertical as being ones where uh, the revolution would happen first. What needs to happen to productize this technology though? To, to, to make these companies viable. If, I mean, NVIDIA, the business model, as you suggested, is, is pretty obvious everyone's buying their chips. But when we get further downstream, we need products, don't we? Yeah. We totally need products. I think we're going to see a big, big uh, product launch um, uh, very soon, yeah, of, of the Microsoft Office product uh, with the so-called co-piloting function, yeah. So, um, um, uh, adding generative AI to to uh, creation of, of you know presentation powerpoints, Excel models, or writing of emails and, and and word documents. I think that's going to be uh, tremendous, right? That's going to change office work a lot. It's going to change the educational requirements for some of the highest paying jobs a lot, right? So, um, uh, you know, compiling a very complex Excel model probably won't be that difficult anymore, right? And uh, making a beautiful uh, presentation. Um, in the style of whichever company is probably one click away. So, uh, you know, those those are going to be pretty pretty obvious and, and big um, uh, uh, production um, uh, production ready uh, pieces of software that we'll see hit the market within the next six to twelve months. And predictably, Google will do something similar in there. Certainly, software. certainly, their, their their suite of products and 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 I guess everyone who has an office suite of products will will heavily work on the copilot. Um, uh, on, on some kind of co-pilot function as I think it's now called and that I think will be the first big massive um, you know production ready uh, 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 product that will hit the everyday worker in tools that the desk and knowledge worker in tools that they know and have already. We all have uh, personal assistants we had um, sure. we had Mustafa uh, Solomon on the show recently, sure. one of the co-founders of DeepMind, sure. now he's with Reed Hoffman developing a new Silicon Valley company focused on AI personal assistance. Yeah. Are those for real? 100% for real. You're gonna have a, you know, you have two, two types of, of digital um, uh, people uh, with you. First of all, the internal facing one, um, that's, that's your companion. So if you saw the movie Her, that's gonna turn to real life, right? So you'll have uh, hour-long conversations with your uh, LLM, uh, one that, that mimics your maybe your, your psychotherapist, one your 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 uh, your chess tutor, and um, you know maybe even um, you know a digital friend, romantic partner, whatever you want to, uh, uh, whoever you want to talk to. And so we will have these companions. Yeah, they'll be they'll be um, infinitely helpful, infinitely ready to you know make you happy, uh, always available. But her, of course, um, Frederick, uh, was a very sad film about human loneliness. Do you fear that this may compound all that? No. Rage and anxiety? I, I, you know, that's, that's above my pay grade to, to, to foresee. But uh, I, I think we can also uh, make a choice to, to turn off the, the companions and, and, and talk to our real life uh, companions if we, if we want to. But I, you know, 
having a, a companion that I can talk to um, uh, about a very specific issue uh, that I, you know, whenever I'm not feeling well, describe my symptoms to and, and I'll have a, an educated conversation with someone who tells me what I might or might not have or how to behave, how not to behave. Um, it's going to be very helpful and, and, and very good in many, many, many ways. So I think, um, you know, they're a net positive to our lives, right? You also so, mentioned the medical vertical. That seems a no-brainer in many ways. Doctors make yeah. mistakes, although, of course, they has will make mistakes too. Sure. Sure. I mean, look, one of the big reasons why AI works right now, um, um, besides us having the, the three technology components in place, is that we're using it, um, you know, we're building AI to mimic the human brain and human intelligence um, at the end of the day, right? And what we, what we had forgotten is that inherently, you know, we make mistakes, right? So if we want to build machines like the human brain, we'll most likely build machines that make a lot of mistakes. And, and that's what we've accepted now. And we're giving these tools use cases where they can be creative, but, you know, that sometimes leads to them talking nonsense, right? So, um, you know, the mistakes are part of it, of course. Of course, these systems in all likelihood won't be perfect, but I think already now we see that, um, you know, AI augmented diagnostics is going to be better or is already better than, than anything we ever had based solely on humans, right? So um, the way they can, machines can, you know, multiply numbers to numbers much, much quicker and faster than, than any human can. So, uh, you know, will, will machines be able to, uh, 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 give you a medical diagnosis much better than any human doctor ever can, and and, and, and that's what we're seeing right now. I thought one of the interesting, another of the interesting points in, in your presentation this morning was suggesting that this system is rooted in human creativity, which is one of the reasons it's become viable. So uh, it's, of course, it's mathematical, but it's also creative. Perhaps you might explain what you meant by that. Well, I guess, I guess what I mean is that the output that we get from a lot of these generative AI systems um, would pass for you know a creative solution to uh, the problem that we're that we're prompting them with, right? So if I tell you, hey, um, give me the design um, of of say uh, um, a house uh, in, in in bright colors on the beach. And uh, you know, you look at the output that you're getting. That's very creative, right? That's 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 what you, if you would pay a human architect to give you design suggestions and say be creative, um, and you compare that to what what uh, what a system like you know Midjourney or Dali or you know stable AI, stability AI, or whatever the, you know tool you use gives you, it's very similar. It passes for creativity. Now, it doesn't mean that the machine is self-conscious and knows what it means to be creative, but the output is creative, right? So and that's, I think, uh, fair to say that, that, that these systems now generate very creative output. So our partner will be like a muse. We'll all have a poetic frame. Sure, a writing partner. I, I don't know if you have that or I have that already, right? When, when, when I write my, uh, uh, when, when we write our letters to our investors, um, you know, um, uh, they're now co-written by AI, and I think many many authors have the same uh, the same feeling, right? So, writing partner is not not uh, non assistant anymore, or, um, or or a partner, um, uh, uh, but 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 in many many cases, it's artificial intelligence, right? So they are true co-pilots in this creative process now, and in many ways, we're turning into a situation where we as the humans 
are becoming the, the critics and the selectors of the suggestions that AI is making, right? So we're going away from actually creating the content to, in many cases, being the ones who select the suggestions that the AI is making, right? We're all curators rather than creators. We're all curating the creation of these AIs of our partners, these infinite partners we have. We're always in a good mood. It's that's right. It, it promises an interesting future. Uh, in, in the short term, you're a venture capitalist rather than a philosopher. Of course, the philosophers have their own opinions. What, what, what's going to happen in the next three to five years um, in, in business terms? What are you looking at? Yeah, super difficult question. Um, I think um, if you look at the last big platform shift, last big revolution, where did you make money? You made money if you bet on the applications. Right, so you wanted to be the WhatsApp investor uh, and not the guy who invested in a telco that uh, uh, transported all those messages. Right, so it was the money was all in the applications and not in the infrastructure. The question is now: Does that revert here? Right, is the only one who's really making money here going to be uh, the infrastructure provider, in particular Nvidia and then the other makers who actually make the chip, the silicon? and not the layers that sit on top, because the layers that sit on top, both the models and the applications, are, you know, there's no real differentiator, no real mode. Of course, these are all amazing tools, but there's so many of them. A lot of it gets commoditized very quickly, and a lot of the value generation at the moment at that level is happening by incumbents that very quickly integrate those tools into their existing products to make them better. So is there a case to be made for a new startup in this uh, AI model, AI app space that will become a standalone large company based on their product? We don't know yet, right? It's a, it's a very tough question to answer. Um, at the moment, you know, we're not really seeing any strong long-term modes, like inherent long-term modes in these businesses. What we will see, I guess, is a lot of these labs, some of them you mentioned, um, uh, getting acquired by big incumbents for large sums of money of course to, to buy the talent in-house but are we going to see you know the the airbnbs of of, of this revolution uh, um, or the ubers of this revolution as we saw with the last with these sort of internet app uh, um, uh, whole markets so standalone large companies built on this technology first and foremost not clear yeah we'll have to see and of course the winners so far seem to be the large companies who have the resources 100%. to invest and who are investing in companies because they win in any event because uh, they own the, the cloud platforms uh, that, that, That's right. that these startups will exist on. So are we going to see in this new economy rather than a new startup economy, Ludwig, uh, more and more of a winner take all, the, the, the big five or six, uh, Amazon, Apple, uh, Google, uh, Microsoft, of course, and perhaps even Facebook, they seem to be the ones who are steaming forward. The American stock market reflects that. There's not much of a middle class left in tech anymore, is there? Very true, right? And again, that's super different to the last revolution we had. Last revolution, you know, we talked about uh, blockbusters losing to Netflix and, uh, you know, uh, all these other examples of Kodak and you name them where the incumbents got completely destroyed by the startups. That's not happening right now, right? We see the incumbents being, you know, extremely quick, extremely agile, extremely clever at integrating their, uh, their technology into their products um, and partnering with the most promising startups like Microsoft OpenAI or here in Germany, the Schwarzgruppe with uh, our company Aleph Alpha now. And, and, and you're right, there's a lot of things pointing, um, pointing towards the big ones getting bigger uh, on this technology. Yeah, that's, that's very true. 
perhaps it's, it's not good news for VCs, is it? Where are you putting your money? Well, you know, as a VC, what you do is you buy uh, you buy options that are um, that are out of the money. Yeah, so we keep doing that. Uh, we keep investing. What do you mean out of the money? Well, we pay a lot of uh, uh, we pay very high prices for companies that have not a lot to show for yet, in the hope that you know they will go through this. Um, Which is the classic VC model: you bet on ten and you win on one. But exactly. So is there even going to be a one in ten winner? That's the uh, well. If I if if I if I if, if only I knew. I think what you will see a lot though is. Um, uh, very strong labs uh, uh, forming that partner with large incumbents that they get acquired for sums that are more likely than not very attractive returns for early stage investors. Yeah, but it's more like um, you know, uh, uh, will OpenAI get acquired or uh, guys like Anthropic or Inflection or you know all, all those top labs? I think we we saw already right DeepMind uh, you know was the first such lab got acquired by Google. Um, German uh, drug maker BioNTech uh, just acquired InstaDeep in the UK, and I think those are the investment cases, right? You'll have the big tech companies, and then the biotech companies, and eventually the telcos. Everyone will have to build up these capabilities, and uh, if that means paying um, a relatively large sum for, uh, uh, for for some of these startups to acquire them, then I think they'll do it, right? So there is money to be made in that, but the big question remains: Are we going to see new? big standalone companies out of this. And I'm not sure. I don't see where. Yeah, I was intrigued. Reed Hoffman has been on this show a couple of times in the past. I've known Reed for many years. Very smart man, was very much involved with Greylock Ventures. Uh, the news in the last couple of weeks is he's stepping back from Greylock and becoming more involved in inflection, one of the labs you're talking about. Yeah. Might this suggest that you're better off jumping on one of the platforms like inflection than actually um, spending your time as an investor might this be a rather dark moment for the venture no, industry itself? No, I don't think so. I mean, look, I, I think if inflection does well, then so will inflection's investors, right? So, um, uh, and, and the same is true, I guess, for OpenAI and for Anthropic and for Aleph Alpha and for, for all of these, right? So, I think if you invest in these businesses early and they get inquired, you're getting incredible multiples. So, I'm not worried about the VC industry at all. In fact, if anything, uh, we're all extremely lucky that we, you know, we we are alive when when this AI revolution comes along. Because of course, there's a lot, there's a lot of tooling and a lot of plumbing, be it in machine learning operations, be it in in model hubs, be it in many other. You know, we're going to see verticalized clouds develop, um, and uh, and and we're going to see security layers, be it without with GDPR or other things around these. Of course, some apps are going to get uh, get some traction. So I think. For early stage VC, this is this is great. Yeah, this is great. But you know, what is the long term, the five to ten year long term mode of a technology company that is built AI first, right? All the modes that we see are, you know, either you have a bigger distribution channel or you've raised more money or you know, you hire two or three of the smartest people ahead of someone else. But all those are things that can quite easily be competed away by, by many other players. And you know, the innovation cycles here are weeks, right? We're not talking about quarters or years anymore as previously. We're literally talking about weeks here. It changes so quickly that uh, that also adds to the worries. So I, and that's, I guess, the underlying message. I'm not sure I can tell you, you know, besides the very core infrastructure layer of the GPU development itself, what truly is the mode of, of you know any of these businesses in the long term? Final question that we're going to get to run. Um, we're talking at DLD, Europe's print primary, best I think tech event of the year. 
I put on many events over the year. I'm the perennial subject of DLD. Many years I've been having this, Europe's role in this. Your voice seems to be missing the bus. You're a German venture capitalist based in, in, in Berlin. Uh, seems as if all the actions in America again on the West Coast, OpenAI and Anthropic, uh, many European technologists are still moving to the West Coast. We had Mustafa Suleiman, for example, co-founder of DeepMind on the show, he's moved to Palo Alto. Are you concerned that Europe will miss the bus again with AI? Is there even a bus for Europe to jump on? Look, I mean, as always, research here is excellent. You mentioned the Transformer paper at Google. I have eight co-authors, four of them, so half of them are European. Yeah. Um, uh, you mentioned the stability diffusion paper, you know, with all the picture generation that was invented by Björn Omer, um, a professor here at Munich. Uh, you know, it's some of the, the hottest stuff going on in France uh, uh, globally, Jan Lacuna and his shop at, at Meta. So, I mean, in terms of research and brains, it's all here. It's as always, you know, are we quick enough to commercialize it, right? Is this going to be another MP3 moment that was invented I mean, Ben Lee was a British physicist who invented the World Wide Web right. to help uh, Switzerland or the United Kingdom. Exactly, and the MP3 was invented here in, in Bavaria and commercialized in California. So are we going to see that again? I hope not. We saw with the internet, we saw the clouds, the last two mega shifts, um, uh, you know, we didn't didn't have a, a great share of this uh, uh, value creation in Europe. I think what could be different here is that, you know, I think we're now moving into an environment where you can make advances on, on smaller and smaller resources, right? So we're going to see these small and specialized, so a lot of this will get commoditized pretty quickly. Um, and, uh, and, and, and will get integrated into existing products a lot. So I think the lag will be at least will be a lot smaller than in the last two in the last two big platform shifts. So actually, I'm quite hopeful around this. And you're not concerned that Europe will once again become the Silicon Valley of regulation when it comes to AI. Lots of conversations at DLD about what government should do. Is this another Oppenheimer moment? Does AI need to be controlled like nuclear technology? Should should European governments, Brussels in particular, should they be standing back from all this innovation? I mean, let's let's hope they let's hope they don't do it, right? Let's let's hope they don't do it. I think in many ways you can't actually do it, right? So um, uh, uh, in many ways it's 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 very tough to control. Uh, I mean, people are, are asking for all kinds of crazy regulations everywhere. I mean, from you know this movement in the U.S. that asked for you know doctrine to to bomb um, data centers if if, uh, if 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 possible. And, and all sorts of other weird things, but let's let's hope that everyone you know remains positive on AI and all the positivity it will bring to to humanity and and not overregulate. Yeah.